Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Are you all excited to be at church this morning? For those of you who don't know, my name is Nancy Sai, and my husband's the one that did generosity. We're the associate pastors here at the Church RC. Um, just to let y'all know, uh, we also are the youth pastors. And this last week, we went to Youth America in Oklahoma City, where my RC youth at. We had so much fun, and by so much fun, I mean no sleeping, bad food, but awesome worship and awesome services. I um, honestly, I turned 30 this year, and as we were there, I questioned if I'm too old to be there. The girls, on the other hand, though, they pushed me, encouraged me, and I love them. There's no other place I would have rather been this week than there with them. We're going to be in the second part of, Galat- of our Galatians series, and uh, for those of you who weren't here last week, I encourage you to go listen to Pastor Brian's podcast. He did an awesome job uh, preaching out of Galatians 1. So we'll be in Galatians 3, 6 through 9, and we'll be reading in the Amplified. Galatians 3, 6 through 9, it'll be up on the screen as well. It says, Thus Abraham believed in and adhered to and trusted in and relied on God. And it was reckoned and placed to his account and credited as righteousness, a conformity to the divine will and purpose, thought and action. Know and understand that it is really the people who live by faith who are the true sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify, declare righteous, put in right standing with himself, the Gentiles in consequence of faith. Can y'all say consequence of faith? Proclaim the gospel for telling the glad tidings of a savior long beforehand to Abraham in the promise saying, in you shall the nations of the earth be blessed. So then those who are people of faith are blessed and made happy and favored by God as partners in fellowship with the believing and trusting Abraham. Can I pray with you before we, while we get started this morning? Lord, right now we just thank you for a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. God, I stand out of the way and say, have your way in this place. Lord, Holy Spirit, speak through me, God. Let not one person leave this place the same. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. How many of you have siblings in here? How many brothers and sisters? Yes. How many of you are the older sibling? Right here. We rule the house. Amen. I claim I rule the house and I'm the favorite. My brother would say he's the favorite because he's the baby and the boy. But I, I still claim I've got the grandbabies, so I totally took it at the time. <laughs> I've given the first grandchildren, and now I'm back to being the favorite. So growing up, me and my sister, we not only um, always shared clothes, always had the same toys. I mean, how many of y'all have siblings who you always had to have them with you? My goodness, I could not go spend the night with anybody. I could not go to the movies with anybody. I couldn't even go to the bathroom without my sister. I had to always have my sister with me. So if I was asked to spend the night, I would be like, you know what? I'd love to, but my sister's coming. I had this one friend who absolutely loved my sister. Her mom did, not her, sorry. Her mom loved my sister. She nicknamed her teddy bear maybe? I don't know. Something like that. So anytime I would go spend the night, she was excited because she knew my sister would be coming. So that was the one friendship that it was okay because the mom would take my sister and I wouldn't have to mess with her. But most of the times me and my sister had to always be together. How many of you know the first day of school, you always dress up in your best clothes, your best shoes. My mom would always dress us in the same outfit. 
Always. We'd be walking down the hall with our, there's one outfit I remember, and I will forever remember this outfit. It was shorts and a shirt with the matching, and one leg was blue, and one leg was purple, and one sleeve was blue, and one sleeve was purple with the big butterfly and our white kids. It was awesome. Not really. And we walked into this school, and we're both wearing the same outfit, and this little girl comes running up to us, and she's like, oh my gosh, are y'all twins? And really quickly, I said, no. And my sister's like, yes, we are. I'm like, no, we're not. That was the ongoing battle. Every time she would say yes, and I would make sure and clarify, we are not. I'm older. I rule the house. And so we always had the same toys. And there was one toy that I absolutely loved. How many of y'all remember the water babies? I don't even know if they still have those. I'll probably find out. My daughter's getting to where she loves babies. And we always, we had the water babies, and we absolutely loved those things. We had outfits for them. We had shoes for them. We had diapers for them. We had everything you can imagine a real baby needs. We had for babies. I should have known that was foretelling that babies would be expensive. And um, we had the same little water babies. And I don't know what we had watched, but we had watched something where it uh, just, we said, seen on the TV something about surgery, right? And so here I am as the older sister. I'm like, yes, I want to give surgery to our babies. And knowing that they were water babies, I'm like, oh, not my babies. So here we go. We're going to do this because, you know, all the older siblings are manipulative. You know how to work the little ones. And um, we, put, we filled up our uh, bathtub with water, and we put our babies in there. We're like, oh, they're swimming. Oh, my gosh, the babies are drowning. We need to give them CPR. So we get the babies out, and we're giving CPR. And I'm like, we have to give surgery to the babies. And I would look at my sister. I'm like, do you want me to do it? Because I'd love to do it to my baby. Or do you want your baby? Knowing the question, kind of like excited. So she'd say, no, give my baby surgery. It worked. She gave me her baby to give surgery to. Yes, I know. I was that sister. And I get her baby and I get the scissors. Why we had scissors, I don't know. And I go to touch the baby. And as soon as I put the scissors in the baby, the water starts to come out. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, this is not good. I'm like, get the Band-Aid. We need the Band-Aid to make the the bleeding stop because, you know, I had to say it was bleeding. So I'm like, get the Band-Aids. Let's cover it up. We cover up the baby. And how many of you know, within minutes, the baby was shriveled and uh, they just had a big, heavy, bobbing head. The baby no no longer had formation. It was just like a floppy mess. And as soon as I look over at my sister and she realizes her baby's dead, um, she screams, Mom! I'm like, oh, gosh. I was scared. I don't know how many of you grew up in Hispanic homes, but I did. And um, we don't get grounded. We don't count to three. We just automatically get punished. Luckily, my mother was very much a grace mom. So thank God she would always pray to Jesus before we were punished. On the other hand, my cousins, not so much. They always got what they called the chancla, which is the sandal. And maybe if we would have had jandals back there, they would have been the Jesus sandal. It would have been a little less hurtful. But, man, my cousins, I felt for them. Me, on the other hand, my mom was full of grace. I still got in trouble, but at least I knew she would always pray to Jesus cool off and then it would be okay. I remember in that scenario, I was like, oh, I knew that my actions had consequences. How many of y'all know that your actions have consequences? I love in this scripture because it says the consequence of faith. I love that. We always think that consequences is something negative. 
But here we see that God's saying, hey, for every action of faith, there is a result. There is a reaction. And whenever we see here, we see that whenever we have faith, we now have the, the promises that Abraham was given by God. And this morning, I want us to look at those promises. You know, a lot of times we think that it's all just for this in the Bible and we read the stories and that's wonderful and that's great. But can I tell you that those stories are still true today? Those promises that are in the word that were given to him were given to us. It's saying that when we have faith, we then inherit the promises that God gave to Abraham. So this morning, I want us to look at those. We're going to go into Genesis 12, 1 through 3 in the Amplified again. It says, Now in Haran, the Lord said to Abram, Go for yourself for your own advantage, away from your country, from your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors, and make your name famous and distinguished, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you, and to curse him who curses or uses insolent language towards you. In you will all the families of kindred and kindred of the earth be blessed, and you they will sorry, and by you, they will bless themselves. The first promise that I want us to look at is here where it says that he will take him to the land that he will show him. In here, I think it's about talking about our plan and our purpose. God's plan is always to get you to your purpose and your destiny. It's talking about the land, the promised land that he had promised them. And here we see that it's four generations after God has given the promise to Abraham. And now God has told Moses to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt because they had become slaves. And um, as we read, it says that it takes them 40 years in the wilderness. How many of you know that 40 years is a long time? And theologians say that the amount, the amount of people that they think we're going was anywhere between one to 2.5 million. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people traveling together. I traveled with 44 youth and I thought that was crazy. I can't even imagine traveling with a million people by foot. Here we see that they're traveling and they begin to complain. They begin to, you know, first they were excited. They're like, man, this is awesome. We've got delivered from under the hand of slavery. This is great. Moses, we're following you. This is wonderful. And then things begin to happen. And things begin to go not the way that they planned. Things, you know, they begin to complain and they begin to look at their natural circumstance and not what God had called them to do and where they were going. Um, how many of you in here have little ones, like five or younger? Me, I've got two under the age of two. I don't know why I'm crazy. Um, and I absolutely love movies. Me and Jimmy are movie people. We realized that before we had babies, we used to go to the movies a lot. Now our movie collection has turned into Finding Nemo, Tangled. Uh, Zootopia. I love this movie. And so how many of you have seen Zootopia? I know my youth people have. Okay, so I absolutely love this movie. As I was watching this movie, it comes across this one scene where this little bunny thinks that she's going to go move to Zootopia, the place where she can be anything she wants to be. There's no limits. There's no one telling her she can't. She's like, I'm going to move to Zootopia, and I'm going to be the first bunny cop. And there's one scene in the movie where she just, like, did a play and showing everybody what she wanted to be. And her mom and dad, they, you know, were surprised when she was like, I'm going to be a cop and change the world. And they're like, oh, my gosh, oh, our little bunny. You know, I don't know why they were worried. They had 230 other children, so it really was okay. <laughs> but this little bunny comes out, and they're, like, telling her, you know, hey, you know her name's Judy Hopps. Um, they tell her, Judy, do you know how me and your mom became so darn happy? She's like, no. 
And they said, you know what? We settled instead of going after our dreams. And I was like, oh, gosh. I'm like, should I really be watching this? And then he goes, you know what the beauty of complacency is? Is if you don't try anything new, you'll never be disappointed. Then they go on to tell her, you know what, it's impossible. There's never been a bunny cop. You can't do this. It's going to be hard. And I love what this little bunny says. She says, I love trying new things. I'll be the first one. I'm going to change the world. They go on to tell her, it's good to have dreams, but as long as you don't believe in them too much. And as I was watching this movie, you know, it's kind of comical. You're like, oh, that's so funny. The little bunny, she wants to be a cop. But how many of us in our walk with Jesus, we get saved. We're so excited. We're like, nothing's impossible for God. I'm going after all the dreams on the inside of me. And something happens in life. And we begin to say, well, maybe it's not meant for me. Maybe God thought he wanted that for me, but now he's changed his mind and he's going to do something else. And you begin to settle in a place where you were never meant to settle. In Genesis 11, 31, 32, we read, and it's talking about Terah, which is Abraham's father. And it's in the message translation. It says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, Haran's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and set out with them from Ur of the Chaldees for the land of Canaan. But when they got as far as Haran, they settled down there. Terah lived for 205 years. He died in Haran. You know, as I was researching stuff, a lot of theologians believe that Jesus called Terah to the same place that he had called Abraham. But he settled in a place that he was never meant to settle, and there he died. You know, a lot of times we settle in a place where we're never meant to settle, and we don't physically die, but our dreams begin to die. Our purposes begin to die. The destiny that God's called us to fulfill begins to die. I want to encourage you this morning. It's not too late to get back on track. It's not too late to dream again. It's not too late to begin to go after that purpose that God has placed on the inside of you. A lot of times we're like that bunny. We get excited, but then stuff happens. What dream have you let die? What purpose did God place on the inside of you? And when you first were saved, you're like, man, God, I love this. I can't wait till this is fulfilled. And then you let life happen. And now you're like, God, you know what? I'm happy here where I am. I'm just going to settle at this job. I know you called me to build this business, but you know what? It's been 40 years. I'm just going to sit here and just do the day to day. I want to encourage you this morning. It's not too late to dream again. The second promise that we're going to look at is going to be in Genesis 12, Two, and it says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors and make your name famous and distinguished, and you will be a blessing dispersing good to others. I love that it says, I will make of you a great nation. I want to tell you, the second promise that we're going to look at is it's not about you, but who you are bringing with you. And so that again, it's not about you, but about who you're bringing with you. You know, whenever um, I, me and Jimmy decided to move to Roy City with our pastors, we told them, hey, whatever it is that you want us to do, we'll do it. And they asked us to start an, a, a community group of youth. We were like, man, this is awesome. We've done youth ministry back at home, back in Sulphur Springs with them. We were like, this is no problem. How many of you know that whenever you go to a new city, you don't know anybody? I think we had forgotten that, that we knew nobody in the city of Roy City, especially not youth. Here I am, a 30-year-old woman. I don't hang out with 12-year-olds. I don't know where 12-year-olds hang out. And so we were like, yes, we're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have 100 kids in this house. We're not going to fit them. And we get there the first day, and it's literally me, five youth leaders, and two kids. And I'm like, oh, 
It's going to be great. We've got 12 more weeks of this wonderfulness. And, you know, we kept telling them, hey, it's about you bringing your friends, bring your friends. And every week I'm like, hey, you have no friends. Where are they? Where we had come from, we had done services, and that's all we knew. So doing community groups was like new territory for us, and we didn't know. But you know what? We knew that God had called us to do something. We knew it wasn't about us, but about what God wanted to do, and we kept being faithful. You know, the second semester came, and we had some families in Greenville that were like, hey, we need a group here. And I'm like, yes, please, more opportunities to bring kids. So we sent two of our leaders there, and Enya and Red ran that group, and me and Jimmy ran another group here in Roy City. And God began to move mightily through our um, community groups. You know, we began to see new kids showing up. We began to see kids showing up there, kids showing up here. And, you know, as we look back, you know, yes, this last week we took 44 youth to camp. Last year we took 10. Then we also had four families that we know of come through that, those community groups because the kids were going home and going, oh, my gosh, I love my youth group. Come on, Dad, we need to go to church. And how many of you know when your youth is saying, hey, let's go to church, you just go to church. You don't ask any questions. And then of those four families, two of them joined Next Steps or serving on Dream Teams. Five of those kids got baptized this last baptism service. But I don't say all that to brag about me and Jimmy or our other leaders, but I'm bragging on Jesus because it's never about you. It's about who you're bringing with you. And there's people who are waiting for you to step out and start that community group. There's people who are waiting on you to invite them to post that post on Facebook. Because a lot of times we think it's just about us and me and my four, but it's never about us. Here we see that Jesus, he came out of the lineage of Abraham. And a lot of people believe that it was just he came just for the nation, the Jewish nation. But here we see that Jesus didn't come just for them. He came for the Gentiles as well. That's us. That's me and you. And, you know, a lot of times we think that it's just about what we see in the natural. But God's saying, no, the picture is bigger than just you. The picture is bigger than just your family. It's a nation that's waiting for you. A lot of times we think, oh gosh, it's too hard. There's no way I can do it. But can I tell you that the God that's on the inside of you is greater than anything you're facing. I want to encourage you. What is it that God's been putting on your heart for you to step out and do? Has he told you to, hey, be a host home next semester? Lead a group next semester. Join the dream team. Start serving. You know, when you start serving in the local church, God begins to do something on the inside of you. It's more than just putting donuts out or holding a door open for somebody, but it's about what God begins to do on the inside of you. I know another story that I love is um, we've got another Greenville group, and um, we had a family that actually wasn't comfortable coming to church, so their friends invited them to the community group, and they got, you know, they decided, they came there a couple times, and then they decided, you know what, we're going to go to church that Easter Sunday, and our creative team did an awesome video that Easter Sunday, and as they watched that video, they resonated, that girl's story resonated with them, and they said to themselves, you know, if God can do it for her and her family, God can do it for us. If God can move and mend things that have been broken, God can mend our relationship. And, you know, not only did they get, turn their life around and say, you know what, Jesus, we're going after you and what you've called us to do. But they also joined our dream team. They now are heading departments in our dream team. You know, and if it had that family just said, you know what, they don't want to come to church. It's okay. We'll never invite them and didn't invite them to that community group group, there's departments that wouldn't be able to be headed up because of that. They understood it wasn't just about me but about God, what God was going to do through me. Amen? I just want to encourage you. Who is waiting on you? Who's waiting on you to step out? Because it's never about us, but about what God is going to do through us. Amen? The promise that I want us to look at is going to be in Genesis 12, 3. And it says, 
And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you, and curse him who curses or uses insolent language towards you. In you will all the families, say all, and kindred of the earth be blessed, and you, and by you they will bless themselves. I hear I, I love this because it's saying that we're supposed to live a blessed life. And a lot of times we think, oh, I became a Christian. Now I have to give up everything and live a life of lack. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, that's not what God called us to do. We see that Abraham, he was, he was wealthy. He had livestock. He had gold. He had silver. He never lived in lack. And a lot of times we think that, you know what, when we've given our life to Jesus, we're supposed to just give everything up. But I want to tell you that God's called you to be blessed because he wants you to bless others. And here we see that he's saying that he wants us to be blessed, to be a blessing. In Deuteronomy 15, 6, it says, For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. I love this because it's saying you will lend to many nations and you will not borrow. God has not called us to live in lack. He's called us to bless others. You know, um, me, I grew up in church. I never knew not tithing or giving. Um, we had birthdays and mom and dad would be like, how much? And part of me is like, oh, I don't want to tell you because I know you're going to be like, and the 10% is going to the church. And so I always knew that. I never questioned it. I never doubted it. I just knew this is what I do, and this is what I live my life, you know. And so I never really ever, like, really understood it until I got older and began to, you know, have my own family and stuff and realize the power and the blessing that's within you tithing to the local church. My dad worked at a restaurant. Some of you from Greenville would know Tamales. And he worked in Sulphur Springs for 16 years. And then they moved him over to the one in Greenville. And he worked there for another, do the math, I, whenever I was 21, that's when he left. And so um, we, he always was blessed. He actually started out as a busboy. And uh, watched what the owner would do and watched the way he liked things done. And whenever he had the opportunity to help, he, ne- he always would be faithful to help and do what he needed to do. And through that, God blessed him. He had favor on his life because he was a tither and a giver, I believe. And um, he was able to be made the manager. And then whenever he got moved over to the Greenville store, he not only was a manager, but then they gave him um, part of the restaurant. And they did- he didn't have to buy into it. They just gave it to him. And so he then now was part owner there, and it came time for them to, they decided that they were going to sell off all the restaurants. And for me, I'm a restaurant baby. I've always been a restaurant baby. My husband's actually a restaurant baby. People ask us why we don't start a Mexican-Asian food truck or something, and I'm still waiting on the Lord. So if you want to pray for that, go for it. I haven't heard from Jesus yet. People have actually come up with creative names um, so uh, one of them is gua- guacamole, not guac, but walk like a, I don't even know what a walk is. That shows you how, how much I know. And so, um, they, we've always been restaurant babies. And so whenever we heard that they were selling, I knew my dad was probably not going to stay. And for me, I'm like, oh Jesus, help us. Cause that's all I've ever known. Both my families, I mean, both my parents worked there. I worked there. My sister worked there. It's like, you've always done this. And now what are you going to do? And so through that, you know, the restaurants were sold, but my dad was always faithful. He always honored the man that he served, and he was always faithful in giving at the church. And um, the guy actually called him into his office, let him know, you know, hey, I talked to them. They're going to keep paying you what we're paying you. They're going to keep doing, you know, what we were doing. But not only that, but he wrote him a check. 
And, you know, I look back and I'm like, man, God was faithful to fulfill the dream that was on the inside of my dad. Here my dad had been working for this man for 21 years. That's a long time. And, you know, he had a dream on the inside of him that he wanted his own restaurant. I'm sure 20 years down the road he's like, well, you know what, I'm going to just be here and serve this man. But he was faithful where he was and was faithful to always give. And God was able to bless him and not only fulfill his dream but go above and beyond what he ever could have imagined. You know, my parents were able to build, to get a restaurant and have no loans. Everything was paid cash. And it's so funny because people go into their restaurant and they still ask them sometimes like, well, how much more do you owe or this and that? And my parents are like, we've never had to take out a loan. And they've always been blessed. God's always give, bless their restaurant, bless their business, bless anything at their hand that they put to. And I want to encourage you that whenever you begin to give to the local church, it's more than just giving. There's, something, there's a blessing that's tied to that giving. There's a blessing that will unleash in your life. And there's things that we don't get fulfilled in our lives because we don't tap into that blessing that God has for us. Amen. The second part that I feel like God wants to bless us is in our spiritual life. And, you know, a lot of times I think we think we're supposed to just get saved and go through the motions. But God never intended for us to live a life of just getting saved and going to church on Sunday, and that's it. He wants you to feel a, have a fulfilled spiritual life as well. And, you know, as I was serving with our youth, I began to pray for revival for our youth group and began to pray for revival in our high schools. And I remember there was one Elevate, which was our leadership for our youth. We came into, and my sister was visiting at one of those times, and she came in, and we were praying. And she comes up to me, and she's like, as you're praying, for revival with the youth, you haven't realized that you've started revival in our family. And, you know, at that time, yes, we were going to church. Yes, we were, you know, being intentional about reading our words sometimes. But there's a difference between doing things and going through the motions and actually being spiritually fulfilled. And we began to have that fire burning on the inside of us again. We began to go after the things of God. You know, I heard it once said, that if you have to look way back in your past to see the um, the best part of God's of your walk with Jesus, then you've probably been backslid because the thing is God's still supposed to be doing things in your life today. And um, we realized that we had been backslid, that we weren't, you know, going after what God had called us to do. And through that, we realized that God did want us to live a fulfilled spiritual life. I want to encourage you this morning, you know, are you living that blessed life financially and spiritually? Because if you haven't, then I'm, I want to encourage and challenge you. Begin to step out and tithe. Begin somewhere. It doesn't have to be the 10%. Just begin to give somewhere and watch God bless you financially. But also begin to seek him. You know, a lot of things that I loved whenever we were with our youth is and talking to them. They're like, you know what? Um, there's Some of them were sharing with me about how they love to wake up and see their parents reading the word. You know, if you're wanting revival in your children, are you seeking God also? And I want to challenge you, yes, we get them for a week at camp, and then we get them once a week. But it's what you're doing at home that's going to impact them more than what we're doing with them. You know, I want to encourage you, begin to seek God. Begin to seek that fulfilled spiritual life that he wants you to live. Amen? You know, as Pastor Brian and Crystal um, decided that they were going to move to Roy City and plant this church, I, as soon as they told me, Crystal was like, hey, no pressure. You don't have to go. I'm not telling you this because we're wanting y'all to come, but just letting you know before, you know, other people find out. And as soon as she told me, I came home and I'm like, Jimmy, we're moving to Roy City. I don't know where Roy City is, but we're moving to Roy City. And he's like, uh, hold on a second. And so I go on and tell him what had happened. And he's like, okay, well, you know, um, if I hear from God, then we'll go. And I'm like, you, didn't you just hear me? Like, I told you, we're moving to Roy City. God told me, it's okay. That's all we need. And uh, he's like, no, if I hear from Jesus, and when I hear from Jesus, then we'll go. 
And I'd go to Crystal and be like, oh my gosh, we're never going to move. We're never going to go. Jimmy completely anti Roy City. He doesn't want to go. So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to drive to Roy City and drive home and drive to Roy City and drive home. And Pastor Brian's like, no, you can't do that. You're married to him. You have to stay with him. You can't just drive back and forth. And so um, through that, uh, it took like a year from when God laid it on my heart that we were going to move to the actual whenever God laid it on his heart that we were going to move. And how many of you know that year was, year was a long year for me? And I honestly feel like God was preparing me, you know, mentally and emotionally and physically to be able to make that move. But the moment that Jimmy had heard from Jesus, it was actually, I remember, it was a Wednesday night. I go to church and go have a normal service. And I come back home and I'm pulling in the driveway and I look over and there's this for sale sign in our yard. I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, Jimmy, we're selling our house. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. And so I go in, he's like, hey, God told me, put the sign, honest, true story. My husband went and took the sign off of someone else's house and put it on our house. He was a realtor at the time, so it's okay. It was one of his houses, but I'm sure they probably didn't want that to happen. But he went, he's like, I don't have a sign. I'm just going to take one off of someone else's house. He put it in ours. Literally, our house took 31 hours to sell. We had a signed contract. They already had wanted the house. They had been looking at it, but we didn't even know. And God had prepared something for us before we even knew it was going to happen. And, you know, God blessed us in that. But not only that, we began to look for a house. And looking, and we actually found a house on the street that we're on that we absolutely fell in love with. And we we made offers, they counter, we made an agreement, and then they backed out on us, and I was heartbroken. I was like, I'm never going to move to Roy City. Until I was in the car with uh, Pastor Crystal, and I'm like, I'm never going to move. I'm just going to live in my parents' house. It's okay. They'll help me with the baby. It'll be awesome. Um, and so at that time, she looked at me, and she said words that I'll never forget. She said, no, you won't. Because God's called you to a place, and it's not about you. It's about what y'all are carrying, and you're blessed because you've always been faithful to give to God's house that he's going to be faithful to bless you. And I remember that, and I stood on those words. Probably a few days later, me and Jimmy were driving down that street. I don't know why we went back down that street. It was probably me going, let's go look at the house that I wish we had. And um, we were driving down that street, and we come up to this house, and it's got this sign that says, coming soon. I was like, oh my gosh, look, there's a house. It's not even on the market yet. Not only did we get that house, but we got it for $7,000 cheaper than what we had intended and spent on a house. You know, and I say all that to say God is always faithful. It doesn't matter what is going on in the natural. It doesn't matter if your dreams that you think are too impossible. God's always going to be faithful to fulfill the dreams. He's always going to be faithful to have you impact those people that he wants you to impact. Amen. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.